The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z.com. I am Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Yes, sir. That's right. Back with the newest episode of the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. Definitely say something with Jermaine Morris and Barry Axis, where we talk about everything going on in the life, in the traffic out here in these streets. In these cold, cold streets, yeah. And it was really cold. We'll go talk about that a little bit later. In Texas. Frosty in Texas, episode number 99. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. We about to get to a hundo? About to hit the Holy century mark. Geesh. We might have to have a little celebration. About to Sean go for that, triple you know digits mean? on them. Okay. <laughs> now we now we talking. Yeah, episode ninety nine. We, we, like the, we, we'd have been there a long time ago, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk about how long it took us to get there. But we got here. <laughs> there. The important part is, you know, uh, appreciate the small steps. Yes, recognize sir. small victories. Uh, always like to highlight individuals who do something for the culture, who help. The movement who, whether it be through entertainment, whether it be through politics, through community work, folks who are news and noteworthy that may not get the shine that they deserve or an extra polish is completely OK. And we like to highlight somebody this 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 week, this episode who there, for a time was was getting his just due. But I think uh, history has not been remembering him as favorably as I don't want to say it should is that it could. And so. Uh, his biggest claim to fame is through through television and specifically through a program he had on TV from 1989 to 1994. And in this time period, he was an, an, an anomaly in in his field. So there was people who uh, he was the one spot where you went to that recognized our work, our contributions, what we did, not only within the culture, but how we moved culture forward. People who didn't get looks, people who didn't get shines on the other major stream platforms knew that they can go see him. And, and he was he was booking the people that weren't being seen. And a lot of uh, really big, influential people who went on to be amazing stars or who were stars at the time, their first time on national TV was with him or some of their groundbreaking performances were with him. Uh, he was recognized for his craft by way of like 1988. He got an NAACP award, 1999, an American Comedy Award. Even in 1992, he got a uh, Doctor of uh, Humane Letters from Central State University, originally from uh, from Ohio. But really, he cut his teeth being the best friend to one of the arguably one of the greatest stand up comedians in, in history. But what his show did was bring information to the movies we had out really put hip hop music on on a mainstream platform. Artists that you saw for the first time like that were, you saw artists like Tupac for the first time. Mm, facts. You know, you saw a young Will Smith back when he was just, when he was still the Fresh Prince. <laughs> you know, Bel Air? Yep, you saw a great interview with Martin Lawrence, with Eddie Murphy, Michael Jackson, Muhammad Ali, Diana Ross. He had people on, on there that were just like, I remember the, the episode where, where he had, you know, the greats in boxing. He had Mike Tyson sitting next to Muhammad Ali talking to each other about, you know, about fighting and who was the greatest. Uh, and, and an influential interview, which to the, we'll say, the, the chagrin of the network and what some people deem was the beginning of the end of, of his show was when he had on the Honorable Minister Farrakhan. Uh -huh. And there was a lot of people who said, do not put this man on your show. Do, do not bring this man on the air. And he did it anyway. And like I said, a lot of people believe that that's what was the jump off to when, when the show was ultimately taken off. 
in a five-year time span, he was competing with guys like, like Johnny Carson. And everybody knew when you went to go see him and see his show, like it was, he changed the culture of late night television because it was highlighting us. We were looking to be on other people's shows and get a six minute interview, but you know, you can come see him and, and you can perform and, and be embraced by the people. Uh, he got a lot of flack too. <laughs> he got a lot of flack for some of the stuff that he did, but he was, he was definitely the spot that you went to when you were trying to get on. Uh, been in a bunch of movies, you know, from Harlem Nights and, and coming to America's over a dozen movies, got over 40 different television credits, but most notably for what he did, the first run from 89 to 94. Then he went back at it in the second run in 2013 to 2014, but definitely a voice for, for, for the people and for the culture. So one time to Mr. Arsenio Hall. That brother, <laughs> I remember. He, he got a lot of flack from black people. Like, you know, I want to believe Cube dissed him, Pac dissed him before too, I believe. But then Pac, of course, eventually was on the show. Um, and that yeah, just speaks volumes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was over the, uh, the the issue to where Ice Cube, he didn't have NWA booked on the, on the show. Yeah. Oh, and Cube took that personally. Well, um, eventually, you know. <laughs> he came back when he, on the yeah, second. Exactly. The second run of the show, Ice Cube was on there. So, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's ironic how, right, you have a show like Arsenio Hall that should have, and, it, and, it, and, it, and at a time it was probably more popular than Johnny Car um, uh, Carson and, and some of those other night shows, David Letterman, or even at the level, especially, um, you know, this uh, parade of black culture that was springing. You have the Cosby show, you got Martin, and you had, um, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That to me, was a very much important um, kind of bridgeway to having us become mainstream. And it's unfortunate how you see the Carsons and the Lettermans and the um, Leno's of the world able to exit the way they want to, right? Yeah. And Arsenio had to get canceled. And then he came back and it didn't work. And to me, it's like he was still like there was major, you know, folks coming to his circuit as well like that was going to mainstream carson and mainstream letterman so it, it always makes me look at how they always put our shows in in this fine of how we have to because i know carson and, and letterman's ratings weren't always high but they never were going to get canceled it's almost like our shows are always on the chopping block if we don't perform at a high level and it's unfortunate because when you even look at um Friday Night Live or you know you know what well, Saturday Night Live right yeah, Saturday yeah, yeah. Night Live and the simple fact we have our own in living color <laughs> right and you you could basically um definitely say that from the alumni there might have been major or more mega stars coming out um that had more longevity from the living color circuit right we could argue that um when you look at the Saturday Night Live but even in that we don't have a, a, you know, a living color anymore. It was canceled, but the Saturday Night Live has had moments where they were absolutely horrible. And, you know, having yeah. um, performers that were not even close to what they had in the beginning stages, but they still are able to kind of fine tune their own destiny. It's sad that we have this in the mainstream entertainment world and you can see it as clear as day. And Arsenio was a victim of his own popularity and his own unapologetic blackness that eventually took him out. Yeah. And you, you look at shows where Arsenio stayed 
he was he was really number two in late night for for the, the bulk of his run. But the difference is is that he would trail Carson, who was the 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 gold standard of late night TV for the time period, and with a much smaller budget, with much smaller resources, with a primarily black fan Urban base audience and, and and guests. So I mean, he had white guests and, and stuff on there too, but but he was primarily he, he highlighted and showcased yeah, because he had like Randy. I remember he had wrestlers on there. He had yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, yeah. Was, he, he was he was he was he wasn't just a a a black show. He yes. highlighted everybody, but he focused on 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 on. He didn't detach from culture as he as he, as he should. But so my thing is is that on a smaller network with a smaller budget with less resources, he was number two. So all the guys who were three, four, five, who had all the other stuff couldn't beat him, couldn't touch him, you know? And it just showed that he took something small and made something amazing with it. And, but the thing was, is that when you're working for somebody else, when, when you're working for, for a network that can tell you, don't put this man on the air. Don't, don't put this over here. You know, you saw Snoop Dogg at an interview like that for the first time when, when he brought Snoop Doggy Dogg out. That was the first time people got to see that kind of interview with him. You saw the different Tupac's first interview like that. And then one of the last ones before he died, you saw his growth and maturity, the way yep. that his stage presence, media training, the big difference between it. You saw that projection. They were actually pretty close. You start seeing all these different people who came through that stage. And the impact it had on on culture. I mean, he took the dog pound, you know, a Cleveland thing and made that global. Yeah, he did. You know, and, and he just was like, and, and whole, woo, 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 all that. He, that, he took that. that he, he took that, 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 you know, that's a, you go to a Cleveland Brown game. They got the dog pound right there in the front. Like that, that's a, he took a hometown thing. And even yeah. though the Cleveland Browns are, are an NFL team, average person, average American didn't know about them. Yeah. And and he took it and put it on late night every night and was and that became the thing. It's interesting to me how Arsenio Hall, as much as black people gave him hell for certain things, right? Calling him a sellout and different things of that nature, right? That he still was cursed because he was too black. And then you look at daytime television, Oprah Winfrey again was able to say, ah, I'm about to exit stage left. I did it my own way. Yeah, and it's almost like well, she's brought a lot of controversial people on. She's touched a lot of controversial topics, so it's kind of weird how they celebrated Oprah and allowed her to shoot, create a own freaking uh, dynasty. Yeah, right. Arsenio Hall almost went to obscurity after his show. You know what I mean? It wasn't like okay, move on to the next thing. It wasn't like all right, well, you know, we're gonna have him move from um, the Arsenio Hall. And where I would believe it was like UPN or something like that to now more of, of a prime time, um, you know, channel during that yeah. time with, you know, we local cable t TV. You think about the NBC's, the ABC's. Yeah, the it was crazy. almost like it's over. It's done. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? And Oprah made that shift because Oprah had the, in the beginning, Oprah was competing with Donahue and Sally, Jesse, Raphael and all those types oh, of yeah. stuff. Oprah made her shift to recognizing I'm going to middle America, middle aged mainstream white women. And, and she made that her bread and butter. And though black women support and cherish and hold Oprah up, Oprah bankrolled more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Middle-aged, middle-American so, white women who bankrolled oh, oh, Oprah. Okay, so, you know, and I'm not trying to beat the subject up, but I just think yeah. that it's just kind of, um, you know, it's ironic. So, well, Arsenio Hall had urban black America. So what was the problem? Because urban black, so black people make up less than 15% of the population in this country. So because of that, 
people don't ever want us to be the focal point because we are, are the minority by by shares and by percentage. So they always want to lean to what's the majority people we want to cater to. So we're automatic by default, a population, we're automatically a secondary group or we're always seen as, OK, well, OK, you do. You can give a song to Usher and it goes on Urban AC. You give the same one to Timberlake and it's on every station. Mm. It's mainstream. It's pop. It's this. It's that. Well, the exact same song sung the exact same way. And if you look at their music, you can see that because they got a whole lot of songs that dang near the exact same way, the same performance. And but just by sheer virtue of being black or targeting black people, we're put on the discount rack. We're put in the clearance section. Yeah. And so regardless of quality, like I said, Arsenio was number two going against these these other late night talk show hosts on the big three with all the resources and all the money and all the connections. And they couldn't touch him. And brother and these shows don't have that kind of pizzazz that Arsenio Hall. They're very dull, um, very lukewarm in a lot of different uh, spaces and places. It's um, not very cultured, you know, even though they have to, you know, do their round robin uh, conversations with the in Negro. But you had to have Arsenio Hall that would actually have a sister soldier, right, sitting on his couch, you know what I'm saying, and talking to, like, Chuck D., when it wasn't popular to talk to Chuck D, exactly. public enemy at that particular time. And that, to me, again, scares me about the things that we lack. We can't even, you know, we can't even control our own narrative about yeah. the people that we have representing our culture. It's aligned with, well, we want to do it like that. And these spaces yeah. and these places that we often get caught into is always subjecting ourselves to say, eh, that's too controversial. That's too black. And that's why we constantly are having these conversations about blackness. We're constantly having this conversation about racial inequities and all this other ridiculous shit that we talk about that is now more of a common thread because of the summer of 2020. Um, when you see Breonna Taylor, George Floyd and Aubrey, um, Ahmaud Arbery. But yeah. it's like, well, didn't you see all this shit in 2014, 2013? Yeah. What about 1992? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like 1974. How about 68? Right. 64? So, yeah. Number 59. Here we are again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, here we are. It's not new subject matter. And, no. and, and, and what I preface to a lot of people, if our strife and our connect to build like this infrastructure and this identity of blackness doesn't come economically, we can do all of the things that we want to do, all the great talking points on the symbolic symbolic gestures of progress, all we want. But if it doesn't come from an economic base, and when I say that, creating infrastructure, right, that is sustainable outside of when I con- when I when I debate with these so-called um, political leaders and these so-called um, activists or these these so-called uh, idealists that have this thought that if we go through in the same structure that's been racist and identify places that we could sit at the table structurally we can change things i say to them well we've had governors we've had mayors we've had people that's sitting in council uh, <laughs> uh you know what i'm saying we here in sacramento we had four black council members at one particular time and nothing has changed it has to be within and it's not even a necessarily attacking like a lot of the social justice issues will be oh we're gonna fight police brutality you can never ever in a a, a a a racist organization based on um you know trapping 
or, or, or should I say capturing runaway slaves that it was originated from, yeah. go in there and, and try to rectify all these different things and hope that a prejudice or um, a, a bias that an individual has, you can train them up out of that. The only way you can win that is when you have alternative systems. And I don't understand why people don't get that. Alternative systems to me is always, and, I, and it's, it's the simplest concept I always try to drop. And folks be like, huh? Okay. At the end of the day, you and your spouse, I say to a person, how many cars do y'all have? They're like, oh, one. I'm like, oh, well, just think about that. How many cars? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have two. Why do you have two cars? Oh, just in case she got to go somewhere different at the different times. Yes. <laughs> and at the same time, when you guys leave, <laughs> right, when, when, when you guys are splitting apart, no one's arguing about that car. It's like, I got my own. You know what I mean? Here's my car keys and here's your car keys. So in in, in a household with two people on the same path, you still want to have two two cars. So my thing is that gives you the ability and the power. And and, and I don't understand why the the Negro don't understand that our alternatives will create a, a different change mechanism to those people that oppress us. Because once you know, I am not going to your target because I have my own. (laughs) Once you know, I don't have to go to your Costco because I have my own. Once you know, my money is going to this black bank that I know invests in black people and give black people loans without having us to go through all these theatrics. Then you lose out on my funding and how we've kept the oppressors in power. And I don't think people really realize how significant that is. It's just, I was just listening to Malcolm and he's talking about the same bullshit that we are literally going through (laughs) today. And it's just like, why do y'all keep on making it seem like this is some nuance, like integration. And I don't want to get off subject, but that's just, it just, it just just blows my mind. Integration. Okay. We're still on subject. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, integration to me is probably the worst thing that ever happened to us outside of the enslavement. Because when you integrate and then you've just now allowed them to have total control of all base things. And we're talking about the symbol things. We're talking about the clinics. We're talking about the grocery stores. Yeah. We're talking about the school. We're talking about the basic things that we probably need to provide. How can you sit there and argue the fact of how do they teach and train your kids? When we have the pandemic for a whole year and a half now coming to it, that niggas could have took the opportunity. Yeah. And sat there and been in a line of as soon as schools reopen, our schools that we've created are going to be reopened for our kids or educate our kids in such a way. It's so prolific when they walk back in, they they have a whole new mentality. So that's a big thing. So with this time period, we've been out of school. There's a great opportunity for your kids to be a whole grade ahead of where they should be. And they won't be. They will be back. <laughs> the way that the, the way that the school system is structured and all the wasted time. And inefficiency, your kid could have been in the sixth grade last year and now be at an eighth, ninth grade level of competency, depending upon how you work. And and let me get, let me tell you what's going to happen. Those kids are going to be more far behind and more socially awkward than they have ever been. Now I'm going to say my our kids because I've watched kids. I've watched right. a, a generation of kids just in this time frame. They're allowed to do whatever they want. Some have are probably going to prosper, and a lot. It's going to be a failing grade when they get back into school. Yeah. And this is where, you know, the rubber meets the road and the cream rise at the top. You're going to see the difference. This is going to bring it into something I wanted to run by you today for this 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 week's show to see to get your take as we're in. It lines in with these things. And it was uh, four four NFL running backs 
of varying over over varying years. And I want you to give to me who the the biggest code violation, because I think these guys, the reason why I'm picking these guys is because everyone would know who they are. So when we think about because that right there about when we talk about integration in itself was was what it was. It was we that's when we gave up the we, we thought we crossed the whole finish line with integration. We thought we were done that that striving and, and moving that part kind of went away from us. And that's why it was so devastating. But what we do, the in-house stuff is where I think we have problems. <laughs> so not just the system, not just the other folks, but the, but the in-house stuff. So these on-code violations, which I think have been setting us back, I want your take on who the MVP is of the most violating person. Mm. Oh, here we go. Here we go. They cover different subjects, different reasons, but you'll see why, why I picked them for this. So I want Barry's MVP award this week. Man, silly Negro award, you mean? For the most violating, most violating person when it comes to code, okay? LaDainian Tomlinson, number one. This is this week. No, no. This is, I want, they are representations. Okay. So LaDainian Tomlinson, when he gave his Hall of Fame speech, and he highlighted his last name Tomlinson, which was, he was saying, I'm giving props to my great-great-grandfather who came over a hundred some odd years ago as an enslaved African. And Tomlinson was the name of the family that purchased him and that he sees himself now. He said, he said, I am a, a mixed heritage because have you ever seen LaDainian Tomlinson? No, I know. No, I'm here for folks who don't. He's about the color of a plum. A little dark. Yeah, he he the blue, black, purple. There's nothing about him you would look at and say mixed. But in his eyes, he was saying that because, you know, America, there was somebody in America who had purchased my family and then slavery is ended. So my whole focus and my whole family is based upon the life that was created after. So there's no connection to the life that existed before. Mm. So he's not focused on what the what his great great grandfather's name was prior to being Tomlinson. Mm. And what what the lineage came before that he's of the mindset of what he starts his family lineage at slavery. So that's mm. number one. Okay. That's a that's a certain mindset. Ladanian Tomlinson. Candidate number two, Herschel Walker. Oof. Herschel Walker. He was a, a, a collegiate phenom in football. He was a, a pro football beast. He was an Olympic bobsled as an athlete. You could you could make the argument. He's one of the greatest athletes just across the board. He went into MMA fighting in his 40s. Mm. Like you could say as a physical specimen, he's one of the most athletic people that we, we've seen recently at a U.S. House hearing. He said that black people should not get reparations. He said, quote, reparations teach separation. He said, how can I ask for my heavenly father to forgive me if I can't forgive my brother? Mm. We use black power to create white guilt. Woo. End quote. So candidate number two is Herschel Walker. Candidate number three, Ray Rice. Oh. Ray Rice. Punch him in the elevator, Rice? Yep. Former running back for the Baltimore Ravens. He was the one that was viciously seen uh, hitting his then-girlfriend, hit her with that two-piece in the elevator. Uh, he hit her as a girlfriend four weeks after the, the domestic violence abuse. They got he married. He loved her as a wife. <laughs> yes, they got married. Now, that, that people have to remember in context, this happened in 2014. They got married four weeks after the incident. They are still married with two kids today. So if you're so so people who are like, so now whatever that means, 
if that's love, if that's trauma, if that's abuse, if that's together, whatever that looks like. She didn't. It's not for the money because he didn't make he didn't ball out like that. And he was his career was over after that incident. So he hasn't worked since 2014 and he can't even do the circuit. Like where you go doing autographs and pictures and all that, like that, that life is over for him. He's yeah. like Ray Carew. You can't say you was in the NFL. Yeah. So so but he but in that incident, Ray Rice became the face of domestic violence in professional sports. Yeah. Now, of the big four, the NHL, MLB, NFL and NBA, the NBA has the greatest number of arrests for domestic violence. And they have the smallest number. They have the smallest roster of the professional sports. But the most arrests for domestic violence exist in the NBA. Major League Baseball is riddled with domestic violence. So is hockey. So, so is football. But out of all these things, Ray Rice made the black man the face of domestic violence as a professional athlete. So he's candidate number three. Candidate number four, Orenthal James Simpson. <laughs> now, OJ was the staple for years that we used to look at when we talked about black dudes who detached from culture. I'm not black. I'm OJ. Okay. The one who sat there and said that I'm not involved in these things, that I'm not doing all that. Uh, but then when he beat the legal system at their own game, we jumped behind him like he ever cared about us. You know, and since then, he was always used as the poster child for we're not going to let them get over on us again. You're not going to do us like OJ. So they started. There was a belief that stricter sentencing and stricter punishment came down on black men professionally for things as almost retribution for OJ. So you got those four candidates, LaDainian Tomlinson, Herschel Walker, Ray Rice and OJ Simpson for four completely different reasons. Who do you believe? is the most violating person. Who's Barry Axius MVP for on-code violations? I mean, they're all silly nigger ass Negroes. First of all, let's be yeah. very clear on that. Um, I think because we're falling definitely in current times, I think Herschel Walker's right now. I think he he takes that. And, and, I, and I say that because right now, for the first time that we know in our existence in America, everybody is now okay with deciding to really talk about equity right um not saying that we're going to get it but we're now okay we'll, we'll talk discussion. about equity and equality like like because we've always talked about equality but now it's like all right well, we'll, we'll there yeah well, you might need equity before equality okay okay we'll talk about it right so we'll talk about the social justice aspect so what he said because it's in current times and i think that we too far in between, forget about OJ. We forget about Ray Rice. We forget about, um, you know, Ladanian. And I think that though those three might have become our more vicious long-term current day, Herschel Walker's words are more effective and it activates this idea that a lot of uh, white Americans already believe some Negroes believe yeah. as well as because we're marching on now talking about clearly um, the things that continue to leave black people in um, the outside looking in as far as this, this American dream, this nightmare that we've been living in where we would have to talk about reparations. Right. So it kind of throws a damper on the conversation where folks can be like, well, what, what, what Hosher Walker said this and you guys and he made it. And your guy. those are the kind of things. So current day, current time is Herschel Walker situation because we've dealt with the Trump situation and we've seen um, modern day America, though you and I were never blinded by it. Modern yeah. day America has opened up the eyes of many who didn't think that 
anything close to what we saw with the Proud Boys only existed back in the days of the Klan. But we're really recognizing like, whoa, white supremacy really exists. Not only does white supremacy really exist, it's also white supremacy exists in a physical term, not just in a term of a weaving in the system. White yeah. supremacy exists physically. And I think that's what was hard for folks to um, adopt and really to believe. It was like, I used to get called crazy. White supremacy. There's no such thing as white supremacy, y'all. White supremacy is old. And brother, now when you can be like, wait a minute. And how folks was vanguarding for this. Like, you know, the cold part about everything that you just said, we don't even talk about the insurrection anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, we don't even... We just acted like that act of direct te- te- uh, domestic terrorism just came and went. It just came and went, bro. Like it was like it's <laughs> real. It's real. And there's some media circuits that are trying to hold on. They're coming with different stories. But dog, the deep dark side of that is like, whoa, we we and then again, we blame it on the Negro. It's like the Negro's fault. We should have done this, we should have done that. So I will pick um at this particular time Herschel Walker. This, 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 this. He don't get no clap. <laughs> he don't get he gets he gets two slaps. Yeah, he don't get no claps. And, and it's funny about the ignorance that we we kind of the ignorance of bliss, right? When we fall in love with these characters and not even knowing their real mentality, right? To hear these guys and to you know celebrate these guys and to know that they're more white inside than they're black outside. It's crazy. It's phenomenal actually to to know that damn there are black people that really see it a whole different way. Yeah. Outside of the way that we think. And mind you, you and me, uh, when you talk about um, versatility and friends, versatility and collaborators, versatility in ways we make money, you know, as black as we are, we we're, we're not we don't we're not in a place where we're like, oh, I only have all black friends. And, not you know, we're, <laughs> you know, what I mean, I got to like it's really like a color swatch. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like for real. But we are in tune and focus and know our blackness and understand the things that, you know, merely create challenges for us. And it's like we don't got no big money. And to be honest with you, we don't even need to be in the loophole of all of this creation of black empowerment, of black excellence to the way that we do. We could really be cool and do this podcast, do a few other things. I guarantee you more doors will probably be open if we were less uh, refined in this idea. Right. Real talk. But we are and we know and, and 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 we don't speak these ignorance that some of these folks do, like really believe like I'm OJ, so I ain't black. Yeah. <laughs> or oh, I'm gonna celebrate my, my, my slave um father. And that's like But not what? my African father. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like and and I get in his speech where he was trying to say, you know, he said, you know, I I'm a representation of America. Of you know the the former slave and in, in this country and how we come together, it was just crazy how I listened to that, and he acknowledged the the the, the first African of his family that set foot on U.S. soil, but had nothing for the ones that came before him. And and I just think that you know he was char- cheered and applauded. Yeah, that that's right. You know, but I'm just like in my brain, I'm like it didn't it completely missed you that you have a full lineage of family and bloodline that predates the period of enslavement and there is no connection to them. Like, and and so why I, I I thought about that and it's something to kind of pose is that when we look at the off, the folks that are off code, the stuff that we're doing, which is that we're not saying this is not them. 
this the idea of of coming out and saying of just being now you can say that's through programming or that it's through you know institutionalized state of of, of the system that we live in but ladanian feels that way like in his wiring in his brain he believed that you know oj believed that he had celebrityed himself out of black problems cuz if you if you look at oj's old stuff the movies he was doing the stuff he oj used to talk that black stuff you know, OJ from San Francisco on the come up from the struggle. OJ used to talk that black stuff till he got a big enough check. Until he got that big enough check, he got that that white that white girl and that white girl and that, exactly he got that white <laughs> he got the white girl yeah he tasted uh, both fruit yeah of yeah. that sinful apple <laughs> yeah so but I mean that is not them doing it to us. That's us That's doing it to us. Us doing it to us. Yeah. So when we look at the things that are going on in the community that are us doing it to us, you know, we can make the argument of what was put the what came first, the chicken or the egg. Are we doing these things as a result of what happened or white supremacy? Yeah. Yeah. White supremacy is why you got three kids that you don't raise. <laughs> white supremacy is why, you know, these irresponsible decisions that we make. You know that those who make that argument, but so out of all those things, you know, one thing that we have a, a uh, which has been an ongoing problem. I'm not gonna say it's a new problem, but it's been a detrimental ongoing problem is the lack of of protection, the lack of of safety. And what I mean by safety, it's not just physical safety, but emotional, you know, mental well being, peace of mind, safety that too many of us do not provide for our women and children mm -hmm. you know when we think of safety it's like oh if somebody say something to mine you know i'll, I'll, I'll you know i put two in his chest <laughs> meanwhile your girl walks around in a state of constant anxiety and panic because you don't call you don't come home and she don't know what you're doing that's not safety not at all you know it, when she if you had her write a list of who are the three not not entities who are the three individuals you are most afraid of having harm you if your name is one or is, is, hits that list, that's not safety. Not at all. She's not thinking if I get caught up on some streets by some thug. She's not thinking, you know, the, these racist people come and find me. She's not thinking, you know, some crazy serial killer. She's thinking you, uh, my daddy or or my brother are the, who's going to most likely physically harm me. You know what I mean? That's an issue. Not providing that degree of safety. And that's... Something that's providing that degree of fear. Exactly. So when we're not providing that, this is an in-house code violation. That so many we, don't believe. <laughs> many yeah. don't believe. So many. as we're looking to make these adjustments and these changes, this is not something that we go to another group to resolve for us because their solution is lock them up. Don't worry the key. Like just like that. Their that's thing what is, it is. Lock them up. Just, just take them and lock them up. That, that, that's my solution. I'm going to remove them from this situation, so y'all should be fine, right? Let me just come and just round up everybody. <laughs> Let's just lock everybody up, and then y'all should be straight from now on, right? Right. That's going to be their solution. So when it comes to healing, when it comes to change of culture, when it comes to change of thinking and behavior, that's going to have to be an inside job and inside work. You know, there's been so many crazy stories of domestic violence, domestic abuse. I know there's the, it seems like every time we, we get together, one just happened. But I know there was another yeah, tragedy that just happened that I know you're you, you're really informed on. 
Yeah, man. Um, that 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 how you broke it down was um, beautiful, and I and I think that and hopefully our listeners understand that and, and, and sit back and kind of process with us in this moment. Uh, February fifteenth, I was in Houston. Um, shouts out to all the people in Texas, by the yeah. way. Um, I was caught into the the winter storm. Cold out. There. That was a whole shit show within itself. We'll we'll, we'll touch that. We'll touch on that the next um, show because I still feel like that's there. There's importance of yeah. correlations into um when we talk about our government, and we're gonna have a great show for you um, when you guys tune in 100, our uh, 100th episode, and we're gonna just mm-hmm. jump in with controversies and the uh, theories of whatever. But here, <laughs> I got a phone call. And, um, you know, a family friend of this this young woman who um, unfortunately was with a man that harmed her children. I got a phone call. Um, at, mind you, I'm going through, you know, I ain't got no power. I'm like, you know what I mean? I got no lights. I ain't got no water. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to eat. I'm freezing. Yeah. And um, she calls me and she says, Barry, um, you know, my goddaughter's been murdered. I said, What? Like, like whoa how old one year old said whoa by who my goddaughter's boyfriend i said what so i immediately i'm trying to figure out okay first of all i'm trying to you know help her process and at the same time she's trying to not only process this situation but knew that i had the ability to get something happening even though i was out of you know state to kind of discuss this to to put it out there because at this particular time the guy whose um, um name is Derek Woods was on the run yeah. and you know told me the story one of the most horrific things that I had to hear in that moment was a few hours later finally talking to the mother of the deceased and the mother screaming and crying my child is dead my baby is gone automatically um, on my end, I did my research. I gathered enough information. I put it out there on my social media. Um, of course, I wanted to be very clear that I'm not um, necessarily accusing, but um, saying that there's a very serious allegation. Was I, I wanted to be very clear because I don't want um, some of this just to be an emotional outburst of just me just jumping into action and not knowing all facts, even though I got facts and I want to believe the person, but I still want to give that individual, even though this is a heinous act, right? I still want to give them grace automatically. As I put the guy's picture out there, said, hello, Hey, have him holler. You know, um, this is before mind you, this is before the story even broke. It was, but it was before West Sac PD where it actually happened in West Sacramento. Um, they even put out a bulletin of saying wanted for homicide, right? Mm-hmm. Um, folks all like came to his defense immediately. Like, what? They wouldn't do this. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. In my inbox, challenging me. And I again had the preference, hey, this is an allegation. I'm saying if it ain't it, then it is what it is. And I even went for people that I guess um, were friends of his that were, uh, you know, we were, we were also friends. I asked to say, hey, you know this cat? Ah, he wouldn't do it, blah, say, blah, whatever, whatever. It was like everyone had this great judgment value of this individual. And I was like, ah, there's something wrong here. Because what I saw when I looked at his page and what I saw when I got clarification from the God bomb and from the mother that eh, yeah. he, he could definitely be someone that did something like this. But yeah. to the simple fact of how heinous it was, 
He killed a one-year-old. He tortured her. He has a murder charge with enhancement of torture. He oh, beat one the one-year-old. He beat the uh, uh, the the boy, three-year-old boy, halfway to death. I said to the people, if he ain't guilty, then why is he running? If he's if he's this person that you say he is, and this can't be true, he would never harm people. Then why isn't he speaking out? Why are y'all speaking for him? And then things started shifting and changing as I now started getting threatened in my inbox and people are going, it is a threat is getting crazier and crazier. West Sacramento PD put out a, a wanted uh, poster and said the charges wanted for homicide. Yeah. If this is an allegation, they ain't doing that. Right. Yeah. And He's just one of many suspects or just somebody, <laughs> a, a person of interest. Yes. Yeah. That, right? that, 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 that's that, not happening. That, that don't go out. Yeah. So this baby girl, Amanda, one years old, Amanda Owens, beautiful little girl, man, beautiful little girl. Just 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 thinking about the struggle that she had. And I know people want a preference. The mom shouldn't have left the babies with the boy or the man. Let's say that because he's not their their father. He's not the father. He's, he's not he's, the father. He's not their father. He's, he's her, not the father. He's her boyfriend. Or That's whatever. her boyfriend. And of course, there's a huge age gap. But in reality, let's think about how many times we left our child or children with people we believed we could trust or people we thought we knew. At the same particular time, when you pay for a babysitter, that don't necessarily mean you know who the babysitter is. You know, you're paying for a service. So you can do your little background check, but you don't know the ins and outs of that babysitter. So you can't sit there and clearly blame it on the mother and the mother's situation. Unfortunately, the mother's situation is is um, a whole other conversation yeah. within itself. But evidently, she felt she could have left her children with him because they were dating. They ain't been dating long, but you just think as a human being, the man has his own children. The man has grandchildren. You don't expect that. And for the preference of people saying that, well, she shouldn't have left. You know what? When I look at my thread, because I'm currently on Facebook jail right now, there was a whole bunch of people had, she had asked, the mother asked, hey, can I leave? Should I leave my children with um, Derek? They would have said he's great with kids because everybody was defending him at first. Yeah. So people that were in his immediate circle, of course, his family. So now I go and I put the picture of the mother, the, put the picture of the young lit girl, um, the baby girl, excuse me. And I picked the picture of Derek as well as the, the, you know, his one of his mugshots, whatever, in the one thing. And I even got more hell for that. And it was like, well, put him out, take him out because we don't want it. You're disrespecting the, the father and the father. And it's like, well, I got all permission from the mom because now mom is like, I want this man. He killed my baby. I don't care. Do whatever you need yeah, to do. Now, 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 here's the preference. Daddy ain't been around. So if, if mom was in cahoots with dad, it would be a whole different situation. And instead of people Why jumping on, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. instead of people creating that kind of strife on my page, on my post to talk whatever they wanted to talk to kind of deflect the issue, it's like people were like, "Wait a minute, you guys are really coming at Barry for putting a picture of the girl who he got permission from, and we're not even talking about the monster." Yeah. How how insane and asinizing is that? So not only am I trying to make sure that we have faces 
on places to get this guy. Yeah. But we're literally going back and forth about me putting up a picture that all the public has at this particular time. Media media is putting the picture of the baby and the guy all together. But when I do it, a community activist, okay. a man that cares a lot about what the situation is, it becomes a strained issue. And that okay. becomes a problem. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 because I, I want to make sure we hit this. I don't want you to go on with it. I don't want you to continue the story. So, so before you continue the story, what I'm saying is, is right at that point. Yeah. So when you when you're saying I'm trying to help them find him. OK. Like we, the police got him as a suspect, but the, yeah. the, but they're still trying to get stuff to get right now. He's the number one suspect. The mom said it's OK. Dad was M.I.A. So, you know, she's making decisions because he wasn't. A, yeah. Because he wasn't involved. And you're trying to be the voice to tell to catch this dude from another state. Yes. And everybody's energy is focused on you. A majority of them. And focused on vouching for this man's character. Yeah. So in that moment, what does that say about how we value our children? We don't value them. <laughs> what you mean? Well, well this is what I'm saying. Because people, yeah. for the people who hear this, yeah, we don't value all, all the energy, all the smoke was for you for should me. be speaking on this and yeah. this guy is okay. This, so no. is this is this more of a question of we don't value our children, we don't value our women, or the way that people rally behind the men? We don't value our black women and our black children and the simple fact that we can have a moment where black lives matter for dead black men by police because yeah. we love to go and center all of the issues, all of our pains, all of our anguish on white supremacy and white oppression. And so it's easy to say, well, look at the police officer. He did that. And he shouldn't. And he shouldn't, of course, no doubt. Yeah. But when you have in-house, yeah. which I think is a lot easier to clean than what's outside yeah, of the exactly. house. Exactly. Compared to where I'm just simply saying, hey, and at the same time, yeah, I want you to see this little baby that got killed. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, you you guys are probably might just catching note of it right now and didn't have a moment to grieve. But we got a killer on the loose. So I ain't got time for no emotions and things like that. Yeah. Your family should have been more connected to the mom. Bottom line is if you have more of a problem and an issue with a person that's trying to help expose a predator, then it becomes why we have so many predators in our communities because people are hiding them, just like his family was hiding him. And the police had to go find him. It wasn't like he turned himself in. They had to go find him because, again, they were setting it up for him to go out of state. And that's what the police knew. So they got on it. So it becomes a problem with us not caring as much for our black women and our black children. Because guess what, King? It's happening damn near every freaking day, bro. Yeah. 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 And that's why I'm saying when we look at the culture of what we do in-house is like I said, is, are we more focused on what is it you hear the phrase that women uh, love their sons but raise their daughters? Is this a case of because when you look at uh, Ahmaud Arbery, when you look at uh, shoot, you can go to Michael Grant, you can go to George Floyd, uh, black men and women rally behind those people. It was black women who, who rode for Sandra Bland. You know what I'm saying? It, it's black women who spearheaded, you're not going to forget Breonna Taylor. We don't, as a community, as a group, black men don't cape for black women like black women cape for black men. A few of us do. I'm talking about, it, when we talk about the dysfunctional ones. Yeah. 
we're saying that so if so is like i said are we looking at that both are happening but in your personal opinion because you you involved in a lot of the stuff that happens and people contact you is it more do you see more of it's because we like i said we don't value the men or the women we don't value the women and children or we have a, a system within culture that makes excuses for black men um i believe it's a little bit of the same because okay. at the same particular time I think that really it's the embarrassment because in this particular situation, right? Yeah. A lot of the blame not only goes on the predator, but when we go deeper in the dive, it goes on to the mother and the father. Yeah. Like how did we get to this point where, you know, the child and the other child was at motels, you know, how do you know we when we deep dive into it? It's like where where the system failure in that, right? And yeah. then why wasn't any family member capable of of taking, you know, either or party in, whether it yeah. be the the children or, or or the mom or both, right? So you have a systematic failure. I think that um because black men, black women show up for black men deaf, right? Yeah. But I will say this black women don't necessarily show up for black men that are living in, in, in a support mechanism. You know what I mean? It, it's not, you know, black men that are living and are doing the right thing. It's, it's, it's very, so it's go, very go a little further with that. Go a little further with that. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking in a sense of like, <laughs> I, I've, I've dealt with black women that are her heroes for the, the plight of black men death, but okay. are just silent as living brothers who are doing the right thing that are champion for a community and will have battles with them just because it's like, wait, 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 wait a minute. So you effectively fight for black men that are dead, but you're going to fight a black man that's living. That's doing the same thing that you say that we're supposed to be doing to get us out of oppression. That doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, you don't support the living, but you support a brother that's dead. And most likely if he was living, you probably wouldn't even like him because of the standards of a lot of these black men that have gotten killed, not all, but a lot of these standards of some of these black men that have got killed by the oppressor, the slave catcher, ain't been some of the most, you know, hierarchy uh, black men. And that's yeah. just not trying to be... Philando Castillo was an anomaly. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's, 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 there's those few. There's yeah, those yeah, few. Philando Castillo, remember, he, was, he and, did nothing yeah. wrong. And, 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 and this doesn't mean that they deserve death, because they don't. No, no, none no, no, of, no, none of them don't, do. But eh, you wouldn't be riding with these Negroes like that. Yeah. You, 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 you wouldn't. And, and we see that after, um, you know, Jacob Blake, as soon as we found out, oh, he's still alive. Oh, okay. Well, he's, he, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, wait a minute. He got shot eight times. Thank God he's alive. But it's almost like he's now telling his story and it's shit's like, okay, well, he, he's alive. But when he's, if a nigga was dead, if a nigga was dead all oh, by police, we running or even better yet, if a corporation, or some type of school does something negative, a blackface, uh, uh, um, a disparaging mark um, um, comment. You know we're oh we're, we're we're you know we're protesting we're we're enraged we're you know we're 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 posting stuff we're boycotting. But a one year old girl who had not a chance C could you imagine the fear? This guy used to pick her up. Probably changed the diaper too. And she probably was crying in the moment and he snapped. Yeah. And that to me, protecting that, 
That to me, not calling it out. That to me, us not continuing to speak on it because it's happening in other places. It just hasn't left to be a fatality yet. Yeah. And to watch all these black women and their children or their children be killed all throughout the state. And it's just almost kind of like, well, yeah, I, I just don't understand why we haven't had a call of action in the way that we've had a call of action when the oppressor is killing us. And I'm not going to go into this whole black on black crime shit because I don't believe in that shit. It's yeah, I'm not, yeah, we're not, not going to call that. It's, 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 and I hate when people, oh, boy, yeah, no, it's not nothing with this shit. But yeah. it has to be called in some kind of way. And when black men like you and I have stood to try to support the endeavors of women, yeah. you know, kind of fighting against this, um, this system of domestic violence that we have in our community that's so rampant, we get ostracized. And it's like, wait a minute, we got to figure this shit out. So how yeah. do we get ostracized for trying to be a part of the solution? Because y'all women are not going to be able to reach certain men by the way that you carry it out. Because niggas don't care about um, the, the the stories of a woman being beaten. It's like, nigga probably like, she probably deserved it. We're going to be the ones that's going to be able to speak to our brothers in a different kind of way and a different kind of language that could help support the change that we yeah. need to see. Yeah. And, and so I, and to that personally, I've been in certain spaces and strictly trying to help. If that means talking, if that means talking and being involved, or if that means being quiet and just being, yeah, there was that one, there was that one thing we did. And the first thing that was like, why, why, why are these here? people here? And we're the yeah. ones that created the platform. Yeah, you, all the time here, you know, black space. men don't come out and support, black men don't come out and show up, show up. They're like, what you doing here? Um, apparently nothing. But what I look at when these things happen, I start with, okay, there's too much of a track record of men being, black men specifically being the perpetrator or not creating a, a system of safety. So if you have a, and if there's a, if you have a, if you feel a certain kind of way, I don't take it personally because I haven't personally done anything to you. So all I do is I represent some feeling that you already have. And if you have a whole lifetime of experiences where black men are the ones who've done you the dirtiest, you know, when you can look back to childhood and all the traumatic stuff, the, the, uh, maybe it was abuse, you know, what was it somewhere around 60, 70% of, of black women have been in some form sexually assaulted by the time they're 18. Like it's ridiculous. Like, so if you're saying that, okay, well, black men have been the spearhead of my problems. So when I see you, I feel a certain kind of way. Okay. I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm just going to try to show up how I can and, and help how I can. But I get how you feel that way. Because like with this case, with what you're speaking of, I didn't hear anything about, with the exception of he wasn't involved, about this baby's father, his biological, her father, biological father. I heard all these things about her mother's life choices and her mother's situation <laughs> and her mother's choice in mates and her mother's decision to leave her with a, but this is a one-year-old and a three-year-old. He ain't been gone that long. And, and then, it, let's be very clear. Let me be, be very clear. He is the father of the one-year-old. The three-year-old has another father. So he's the father of the one-year-old. If this baby is one, he ain't been gone that long. Not at all. So if you told me the baby was 13, okay, he could have been gone for a minute. But if this child is one, he ain't been gone that long. Not at all. So, but I heard no onus or responsibility put on him in any discussion I heard about this case, it was oh, because all about he, because he could have got 
the baby because you know, he was fighting for custody, right? <laughs> he he, he could have done it, it, any a, a myriad of things he could have done differently, but but none of the weight is put on him, you know. And so so when we look at the in-house stuff to start curbing this, you know, what does this start to look like? Because there, there's a there's a high level of distrust between black women and black men, and enough of it is earned. It's not all earned, but but the, but enough of it is earned that if they feel this certain kind of way, it's not they didn't just pull it out of thin air. Mm. You know, there's enough life experience and things that I'm, you know, I've talked to more than enough women and stuff I've seen and dudes that I know. There's enough of them around that 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 if, if a black woman felt a certain kind of way, that 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 thought was earned. So, how does we? How do we? What does that look like on the culture change? Like, what does that look like? Because like I said, we know what their solution is. Come on through, send CPS through all these black households, anybody that seems sketch, get them up out of there. Anybody who does stuff and lock them all up. And we're just going to do addition by subtraction and just eliminate the community until we get to a place to where folks feel a little bit safer. And then we complain about that. But then there ain't going to be nobody. Well, how can you complain about that when you ain't, again, we going back to what we talked about earlier in our show, alternatives. Yeah. Well, then what's the alternative? So what are we collectively creating that can stop what's happening? Because it's happening. Yeah. Right? Let's not act like and, it's, it's not fantasy. It's let's not act like it. And then people are definitely condoning it and complicit with it because at the end of the day, you know, from my intel and my outsiders, I I know what the family was doing of, of you know, uh, Derek Woods. Right. I know history. And I ain't going to speak upon it because it is what it is. Yeah. But you know, folks weren't like, yo, let me turn yourself in, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, anybody that's innocent of this heinous act is going to sit there and say, hey, man, I ain't do a goddamn thing. He would have been on my post and it would have, yeah, man, if you don't. He'd have been crying alongside out. his woman looking for the suspect. <laughs> or he'd have been riding looking for him himself. Not running from the, yeah. the murder scene. Yeah. Yeah. He, he AKA, flee the scene. He would have exactly. been that dude. Come on, you know. So I, I think you know what, Jermaine. I think this is such a such a, a touchy subject. Why? Yeah. Because too many of the households have been touched by uncle. You know, you always. Yeah. I forget you always used to say something. It'd be funny, but it's not funny. But the way you used to say it, like you know, uncle something, blah blah blah. You know, you've said it to me several times. Um, you know, that that you know the OG who got the 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 the, the stair the, the the room upstairs. You don't go up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the back room with Uncle. You know, stay. Don't leave him alone with Uncle Clarence. And yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Right. You heard that as a kid. Hey, don't don't yeah. leave the kids alone with Clarence. And then you also heard that you know this 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 is this is this this doesn't go outside the house. This is you know in house business. Don't, don't tell and our that, business. Yeah, and, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because now we have a a one year old that the community has to take ownership of. Right. Because we can't keep on celebrating black excellence and not look at the nightmare of some of the things that have been created because of black ignorance. Yeah. You can point fingers at all you want to do. White supremacy, uh, poor upbringing, um, lack of education, all kind of different systems. Right. You know, what I'm saying yeah. on drugs, whatever you want to say, alcoholic, you know, uh, mental health issues. Right. Because in a matter of like two whole months, January, we had a black man who was supposed to be this hardcore g -g 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 gangster that showed us his 
um, sensitivity and his total uh, 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 mind uh, uh, blown by showing us two white girl, a white girl, 15 year old and a white woman, 26 and showed us on social media like, ah, oh, well, don't know what happened, but uh, I'm fucked. Yeah. Right. This is in January. Right. 20, what, nine year old black man. And then turn around February, 43 year old black man, 43 year old black man, his own kids, his own grandchildren. And he kills a 17, or excuse me, he kills a one year old girl and then almost kills her brother, who yeah. now has been, you know, let go out. He's been, you know, admitted out the hospital and, you know, he's doing a lot better. But the trauma that he's going to have to face will never, ever go away. So yeah. here we are having these black men, <laughs> right, that are well state of mind from the most part that people would look at the little gangster Negro who did the murder in um, Vacaville. You watch his videos. You're like, oh, he's, he's, he's hard. He's a gangster. Look at him. Yeah. He got money. He got broads. Oh, he, you think he's fine to find in his, his world. So he's all right. Here comes a 43-year-old. Oh, he's a great guy. He was, he's a great dad. He would never do such a thing. But yet, still, they got these charges of murder. So what are we really seeing, Black people? Looking at how we rally around and make excuses for the ones who are doing all this craziness. It's the same theory that we get mad about other cultures who protect their predators. Yep. About how, you know, the white dude on the swim team, he can rape the girl and, and, and go home and, and, and make a sandwich. About how all these people are doing all this, this, this horrible behavior and their community rallies behind them, insulates and protects them. And we're talking like that's unfair. Mm -hmm. There's no justice. In turn, we're doing the exact same thing. Exactly. Hypocrites. So we're, we're protecting our horrible people just like they're protecting theirs. So if we're willing to do that, we're willing to hide out the dude who severely beats a three-year-old and takes the life of a one-year-old, we're willing to go that far, that length to protect a predator. Why is there so much separation when it pertains to unity, to, to building, to, to creating, to manifesting within our community? We'll protect a child murderer, but we won't practice group economics. <laughs> We'll hide out a sexual predator, but we won't build our own schools to educate our own babies. Do you know I mean like like so? It's not a question of we won't come together because that's the, always the narrative. Black folks can't come together. No, we do. We do just for the wrong stuff all the time. So all the time. so we look to move forward. I know that there's some events that are coming up over the next few weeks that are addressing uh, domestic violence, that are addressing uh, women empowerment issues, that are addressing dialogue and communication tell me about one of those things you got coming up we got a um you know an event called um brother can we talk that's gonna be happening uh february what is it 25th i believe 25th yes 25th february 25th and that's gonna be um you know zoom it's got some uh, dynamic brothers that's gonna be uh jumping in to to really combat and have this conversation about domestic violence in the black community um and just the uh, the fears of black men, the insecurities of black black men, some of our vulnerability, um, just a real um, compassionate and passionate conversation, how we feel and uh, what it looks like for us. Because I think in order for us to be able to combat these moments 
think that we have to stop um, pretending that these moments, one, don't happen, and two, that us being angry, um, us being vulnerable, us dealing and battling with mental health issues is taboo. But how do we get help to deal with these situations before we snap on someone that we love and and can't take back a moment that was a split second of us just not being in a right state of mind that turns into uh, an eternal life of just regret and hell. You know what I mean? I, I, I just don't. Derek Woods is not redeemable. He's not redeemable. Like there's there's no redeeming factors in it. You killed a one year old. You lost your 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 wig with a one year old. A one year old that wasn't yours. A one year old that was a girlfriend of yours, and you didn't care about your children. You didn't care about your grandchildren. You didn't care about the community of how it looked. You felt that, however, you might have been triggered that it was okay, and it's not okay. It's not okay for a man to walk into a house. A woman says, hey, I don't want to be with you anymore. Okay, later on that night, you wake up and now you kill her and kill the whole family, yeah. right? You, these things are not okay. And this is not um, my particular, um, th- this, these, aren't, these aren't particularly conversations I like to have, yeah. but I think these are conversations that are necessarily that we have to have because not enough men are speaking on it because it's going to bring out a lot of, a lot of, issues it's going to piss off a lot of people and i think that in order for us to be able to be the change we cannot continue to have outlets that just speak upon our toxic masculinity and then degrade and demasculate black men for for whatever reason instead of hearing from black men and supporting black men that are here identifying these kind of triggers identifying these kind of issues and saying here's what we can do to be a part of the change Ultimately, more conversations like that um, across the board, I think, will save a lot more people moving forward, as well as um, Weave is doing um, an engagement, I want to say March 3rd. Let me see what that is. March 3rd, they're also doing something as well. Let me get that date. You can go talk, keep talking for a second. Okay. Yeah, because these are the things that, that, that are definitely uh, important that we can't sit there and act like don't exist. And the spaces that where that require men coming together, where it's just us talking to us, pulling each other aside, checking some folks or dealing with some of the folks, because we'll, we'll get in these arguments where we feel like, well, uh, women don't trust us or they don't support us or they don't believe in us. Well, what product are we putting out there for them to trust, have faith, support and believe in? You know, the the stand up guy can't be the anomaly. The do right guy can't be the, 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 the weirdo like the norm can't be disrespect. The norm can't be, you know, lack of protection and lack of empathy and support. Like and, and, and I'm not saying that it is because there's a lot of really good men walking the face of the earth, running their race, just dealing with, they right and, and, you know, it is a it is a lot. The squeaky wheel does get the grease. It, the ones that 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 are doing wrong are the ones getting highlighted. But we got way too many of them who feel comfortable enough to do the wrong. Yeah. And then and then with that being said, I think that we are highlighting the men that are doing the right in a sense of let's talk. Let's yeah. have a conversation. You know what I mean, let's you know, women have their spaces to have their conversation. We're going to have our space to have our conversation. Let's normalize brothers working it out instead of brothers working it out or feeling like violence is the way. And it's just like, come on, dude, like brothers, I'm going to tell you right now, she's not worth going to jail for or prison for. She's just not. I don't care how angry you are. You're just like, it's okay to walk away. 
It's okay to take a loss. It's 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 okay to lose this one. Like you know what I'm saying? I would say that is not worth going to prison for the act. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I like, wouldn't say her. I would. Okay, I would yeah, yeah. Excuse, excuse, yeah, that, uh, I would say right. that whatever that I mean, act I'm is. A, I'm a, I'm a, you know. I know what you, you mean. Though you gonna say it your way. I'm gonna say it my way. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Others is gonna have to hear that that way. And it's that no hell. disrespect. Listen, that, it's no disrespect, women. But when we talk our language, yeah. let us talk our language. You cannot tell us how to be appropriate about the conversations that some of us have on the outside of this, right? You gonna yeah. you you love it, but I'm gonna have to say that to that brother. Yeah. Hey, bro, she ain't worth it. In a sense of if you're gonna throw your life for one person when there's probably about 10 other million people that might be doing better, whatever you complain. Because see, a lot of the Negroes who do these things are going to put the blame on that woman. Okay, she didn't cook the bacon and eggs right. All right, perfect. Well, I do know there's about 10 sisters that can do it better than her. How about that? So these are the conversations. It's not to be disrespectful. But another um, thing that is happening, March 3rd, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. will be engaging men addressing domestic violence. Um, it's going to be a conversation with Weave, uh, you know, saying we have a, a guest speaker coming in. And uh, we also have uh, She Could Be My Daughter. Shots out to Dina. Doing a great job. We have um, some team talk and some other things that we're going to be doing um, coming up. So it, it's, 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 it's a lot, man. But, you know, we're going to do the best that we possibly can because guess what? I am not going to be the Negro that's going to be 40 years down the line if I'm given that grace. And if it still was a problem never being the one to speak on it because you're complicit with your acts when you don't get involved. Yes. So for things like that, for events coming up and other ways to get a hold of you, where where can folks find you? Everything Barry Axius, Twitter, Facebook, IG, free Barry Axius or Facebook. I'm in jail again. Put that bail money out for me, baby. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform is at CEO. This has been Say Something with Jermaine Morris and Barry Axius to Say Something podcast. Next episode will be our 100th episode. Hit the century mark. Yes, sir. So until next show, we will holler at you later. Peace.